Today's episode is going to be all about Tyrese Hunter, the new proposed scheduling change that would give Gonzaga a fantastic non-conference game in February, a look at Gonzaga's baseball team as they enter the twilight of their season, and a fan story Friday, jam-packed episode, all right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Don't go away. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag athletics. I also want to thank all of you who have continued to make Locked On Zags your first listen of the day as well as those of you who have checked the show out on YouTube. Over 600 subscribers now trying to get to 1,000. We got the whole rest of the summer to get there. The goal is 1,000 by the start of the college basketball season. So if you're a listener to this podcast and you have not done so yet, just go to YouTube.com, search Locked on Zags, and hit that subscribe button. handful of different topics today. We're going to start things off talking about the biggest news about the next potential Zag, that is Tyrese Hunter from Iowa State. He is visiting Spokane this upcoming weekend. The reports right now show Hunter having an interest in a handful of different schools. Most of what I'm hearing indicates that he is between Gonzaga and Kansas, the same two schools that Texas Tech transfer Kevin McCollar is deciding between as well. Pretty good chance the Zags land one of these two guys. Uh, it's not exactly clear which one. It sort of depends on what's going on with Julian Strother, as McCollar plays a more similar position to Strother, whereas Hunter is more of a traditional point guard. Talk a little bit about Hunter. I've talked about him a handful of times on this show already. He's been brought up on Mailbag Monday. He's been brought up in a couple other episodes. But just as a reminder, Hunter was a true freshman at Iowa State last year for the Cyclones. He averaged 11 points, 5 assists, and 2 Steals again for Iowa State, a surprise team that was very, very bad the years before that. That was part of the reason that Ros Bolton transferred away from there and came to Gonzaga. But Iowa State was pretty darn good last year. They ended up fading pretty hard down the stretch, but had a very good start to the season. Hunter was a big part of the reason why. He was a top 40 prospect in the class of 2021, so he came in to Iowa State with some pedigree. Came out of the gates firing. Not a lot of dudes in Power 5 programs average five assists per game. To do it as a true freshman is exceptionally impressive. He is a very, very gifted passer. He is a gifted scorer as well. He's not a great outside shooter, which is unfortunate because that is an area that Gonzaga should be looking to add to the team, not necessarily adding good guards who aren't great outside shooters. Hunter Salas is a phenomenal scoring guard who has not displayed those outside shooting tendencies just yet. Nolan Hickman, I think, will develop into more of an outside shooter, but thus far has not been great at that either. The best shooter on the team right now in the guard room is probably Dominic Harris, but again, we're talking about a guy who has not played a whole lot of basketball in his career at this level, so we'll have to kind of see how that all shakes out. Getting Julian Strother back would obviously be huge because of his ability to shoot from the outside. That doesn't mean the Zags should not be going all in on trying to get Hunter on this roster. I'd be very curious how this is going to shake up. Tyrese Hunter 
is going to be the primary ball handler at Gonzaga if he comes here. I do not think that they're going to play him off ball. I do not think that he is going to come off of the bench. He is going to start and he is going to be the person with the basketball in his hands most of the time. What does that mean for Nolan Hickman? Hard to say. It doesn't necessarily mean that Nolan is completely not going to start. The Zags have been very willing and very comfortable to start two point guards in the past. In fact, the two Gonzaga teams that went to the national championship game, both of them started two traditional point guards. Of course, Josh Perkins and Nigel Williams-Goss on the 16-17 team, and Jalen Suggs and Andrew Nempard on the 2021 team. So it would not be out of the question for both Nolan Hickman and Tyrese Hunter to start next season. Whether that means Hunter Salas comes off the bench, whether that means Hunter Salas starts as the third guard and they run three guard lineups kind of remains to be seen. Again, that goes back to whether Julian Strother is going to return or not. Either way, I think if Nolan Hickman does end up coming off the bench, which is quite possible in this situation where Tyrese Hunter comes to Gonzaga, he's still going to play a lot of minutes and he's still going to play a lot of his minutes alongside Tyrese Hunter. Mark Few is very, very willing to play two point guards, which is part of the reason I think that Hunter could show some legitimate interest in, I mean, has shown some legitimate interest in coming to Gonzaga. Not could, he's coming, he's coming to Spokane. He's clearly interested in potentially joining the Zags. And I think the fact that they can sell him on, hey, look, We've done this two-point guard thing before, and it works. There's a proven track record of success. Yes, we didn't win either of those two games, but we went to two national championships with two starting point guards in the lineup. So there's there's a reason to believe that this makes some sense for Hunter. Obviously, he goes to a better program with no disrespect to Iowa State, who took some tremendous strides last year. He still gets to go to a better program. He gets the opportunity to run an offense that is fast-paced. They get up and down the floor faster than anybody in the country. Uh, Gonzaga point guards have an incredibly long track record of success, not necessarily NBA caliber success. Jalen Suggs is a counterexample currently, but a lot of Gonzaga's other guards were great college players who didn't quite make it in the NBA, but Hunter, I think, would be a guy who, who would come in and very realistically be, uh, it would immediately be on the NBA radar. He would immediately be an NBA caliber prospect. Where he, he already is, but were he to come to Gonzaga and start for the Bulldogs, I think that would really help his case even more. Very interested to see what some potential lineups could look like. I think for all of the consternation there was in the early part of the offseason for the Zags, you know, is this team's window closing? What are things going to look like? And, and we still don't know, but at this point, it is reasonable to believe that a starting lineup next season could be Tyrese Hunter, Hunter Salas, Julian Strother, Drew Timmy, Efton Reed, with Dominic Harris, Nolan Hickman, and Anton Watson rounding out the rotation. That is really dang good. Really good. Preseason number one, probably not, although they're going to be in the conversation at least preseason top 10. This is, of course, Timmy and Strother returning. That could change. We don't know what's going to happen there. If those two guys don't return, then your lineup's not going to be quite as impressive. Uh, And again, Tyrese Hunter is far from a sure thing coming to Gonzaga here. But the fact that he's checking out the campus, the fact that it's more or less down to two teams, at least according to some sources, is a pretty good sign that that there's a realistic chance that this kid's going to end up in Spokane, which would be another tremendous, tremendous ad for Mark Few's staff. All right, before we get into the second segment, I want to talk about the bracket busters. For those of you who missed this, Matt Norlander of CBS reported a scheduling initiative that is being discussed. It was initially raised by Brian Thornton, who's the commissioner of the Western Athletic Conference, the WAC. 
22 of 32 Division I conferences have shown interest in this, what Norlander called bracket busters on steroids. I'm going to just read a direct quote from his article explaining this process because he explained it better than I can. So let's just talk it out. Here's the quote. Here's how the first of its kind concept would work. For one week in February, a slew of leagues would pause their conference schedules and instead have all their members play two non-conference opponents. The model would have every team involved play one home game and one away game, with the majority of those games happening three days apart, many on Wednesday and Saturday, with the window commencing after Valentine's Day. The matchups would be decided by an algorithm that would ensure the best teams play the best teams. The games wouldn't be determined until the end of January. Think of it like a mini selection Sunday within the regular season. You could even build a television show around it. How fun would that be? Matt, my friend, that would be very fun. That would be very, very fun. There's not really any other way to look at this. Uh, an incredibly cool concept. Very, very cool idea. It would allow Gonzaga to play a high-profile non-conference game close to Selection Sunday, close to the end of the regular season. This is a very, very often used criticism of the Zags. Obviously, we've heard that they don't play anybody in their conference trope. But beyond that, like Gonzaga can't control their conference. At least there's not very much they can do about their conference. But they can control some of their scheduling. Scheduling non-conference games when you're in the middle of your conference schedule is is very difficult. That's a, t- that's a challenging thing to do. They've done it in the past, if you recall. They used to play Memphis a lot in like the mid-late 2000s. Uh, that was kind of a, a common February game for them, but it isn't something they've done all that much lately. This would force them to do it. It would force the whole rest of the conference to do it, and I think that it would be incredibly fun. Last year, you probably would have got Gonzaga-Houston. That's probably who they would have ended up playing. I'm not sure who their second game would have gone up against because I'm not exactly sure how the algorithm would have worked. But if we're assuming the Power Six conferences are out, which they they are, the Power Six conferences, that's the Power Five and the Big East, they're not going to do this. They have TV deals locked in for all of their games already. Changing their scheduling is very, very difficult. They've legislated to play as few non-conference games as possible for the most part. So they're not going to participate in this. But Gonzaga could play a team like a Houston or they could play you know, a, a really powerful Mountain West school. They could play San Diego State. They could play, you know, your, your Murray States or Moorhead State or other, other programs like that, really high-profile programs that you know, that they don't normally play otherwise. It would take away two non-conference games from them, but ideally Gonzaga, you know, they're not going to remove two of their best non-conference games. So we're talking about replacing Northern Arizona with Houston, potentially. This is monumental. And not only replacing Northern Arizona with Houston, but replacing Northern Arizona in late December with Houston in mid-February. That's a huge benefit. Massive. Now, Norlander did not specify whether the WCC is specifically interested. Again, 22 out of 32 conferences have showed interest in this, and we know the Power Six are not among them, so it's pretty darn likely that the WCC is one of the conferences that has shown interest. I suspect the Mountain West is in there as well. ASUN, AAC, all of those conferences, I I would guess, are, are pretty interested in this. And for good reason. It's going to help their prominent programs get signature wins. Think about BYU last year. They they needed a game like this. They might have lost it. They, they, there's no guarantee that they would have won, but if they got to pick up a game, you know, suddenly in mid-February against Wyoming, you know, a team that that got a that scraped into the tournament with a play-in game 11 seed and they beat Wyoming, that probably puts BYU over the edge. That probably gets them into the NCAA tournament. 
you know, what, what if San Francisco got a chance to play Murray State at that time instead of in the NCAA tournament? Yes, a loss might have curtailed their chances of making the tournament, but a win probably bumps them up a seed. And that's what makes this so fun. I believe the article said that there was like 82 tournament ga- games last season had they done the same thing. 83 games that would have had at least some level of tournament implications. That is, that's a blast. That is unbelievably fun potential opportunity that this is being discussed. Now, it's probably not going to happen until 23-24. And that's, there's still steps that need to happen between now and then for this to actually occur. But it stands to reason that if this many people are already interested, this could probably happen. Like, this has some legitimate legs. It's very likely to, to be something that occurs. And whether Gonzaga is... You know, still pursuing other options conference-wise remains to be seen, but this is still something that I think is good for college basketball, whether Gonzaga is involved or not. I think it's a fantastic type of event, uh, and I'm really excited to see how it potentially shakes out. All right, we're going to come back in the second segment. We're going to switch gears. We're going to talk baseball. They're still ranked number 12 in the country. They head into a big weekend series against Santa Clara. Before we get there, though, let's talk about Bilt Bar. Summer is coming. And with the summer, you're going to need some food on the go. Built Bars are the perfect snack to take with you on family vacations. Throw them in your bags, in your kids' backpacks. Make sure that everyone has a bar so you are fueled for your summer adventures. The best part about Built Bars, they're healthy and delicious. No more sacrificing delicious food for health. With Built Bar, you can have both. Have you tried the Built Puffs yet? We are going crazy for the puffs. They come in crazy flavors like banana cream pie and even churro. Who doesn't want a protein bar that tastes like a churro? and they're only 140 calories. Sign me up. If that's not enough flavor for you, then you might want to try the Mixed Box. The Mixed Box comes with 12 flavors of bars and puffs. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Go to Built.com to get all your favorites. Banana cream pie, raspberry, double chocolate, and so many more. They are all delicious, and new flavors are coming out all the time. Go to Built.com com. Use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, segment two. Still in Patton, still locked on Zags, still talking Gonzaga's baseball program. The season rolls on. We are getting near the end of the year for the Zags. They are still the 12th ranked team in the country per D1 baseball. Again, there are multiple different sites and publications that rank the top 25 baseball teams right now. D1 baseball is the one that most places use. Again, they're 12th there. They're also 11th per Baseball America, 12th at Perfect Game, 15th at USA Today, and 8th at College Baseball Nation. So a very well-respected program. They're 29 and 13 on the year right now. They took two of three from the Lions of LMU last week and also defeated UW on Monday. Nice win over the Huskies. Would have been great to actually get a series sweep against LMU. They've continued to struggle to actually get the sweep for some reason. And I'll tell you right now, the reason is not Saturday starting pitcher Tristan Vreeling. But for some reason, the Zags struggle to win on Saturdays. It feels like they're a near lock to win on Friday because of Gabriel Hughes, who has been one of the most dominant pitchers in all of college baseball this season. He is atop all of the record books, all of the... He's going to be one of the best pitchers in the entire season at the end of the year, hands down. Hands down. So they win a lot on Friday. They've been really good at winning on Sunday and closing out the series. But for some reason, those Saturday games, even though Tristan Vreeling has been awesome 
all year long. For some reason, they can't seem to find a way to win. On Saturday, the same thing happened this last week against LMU. They won 5-3 to three on, on Friday. They lost 5-4 to four on Saturday. Great performance from Tristan, but still could not pull out a victory. And then in William Kempner's return to the mound on Sunday, they win, They won 6-5 to five in that one. And then they turned around and beat UW 5-2 to two on Monday. Connor Cabalas hit, hit two-run home run in the third inning. It was his first home run of the season. Shout out to Connor for that. And then Alec Gomez. We've talked so much about Gonzaga's pitching on this podcast. We've talked about Gabriel Hughes. We've talked about Tristan Reeling. We've talked about William Kempner. And we've also talked about Owen Wilde, who replaced Kempner in the rotation while he was dealing with an injury. And he has been fantastic this season. Jacob Rutherford has been phenomenal out of the pen. But one name that we have not mentioned much, if at all, on this podcast is Alec Gomez. But Gomez came out and absolutely shoved against the Huskies on Monday. Seven innings pitched, four hits allowed, one run, two walks, four strikeouts. A remarkable, phenomenal performance against a good Pac-12 school in Washington. Zags picked up a big victory. We've talked about the midweek games and how they're a little bit harder to gauge because teams are not throwing their best arms out there. They're still important to secure victories. Gonzaga picked up a victory against Oregon State earlier this year. That has helped them significantly when you look at the RPI, when you look at their non-conference ratings in general. Picking up a win against UW is going to help them too, and Gomez went out and got it done. Seven games remaining on the schedule for the Zags. First up is Santa Clara. They're hosting them this upcoming weekend. The Broncos are 23 and 19 on the season and 11 and 10 in conference play. Similar to LMU, kind of a mid-level conference team who had some decent games in the non-conference but also struggled a little bit. They went 2 and 5 combined against USC, Stanford, and Texas A&M. Shout out to them for playing a really tough non-conference schedule. You see a handful of WCC teams who have managed to pull that off. Uh, but they didn't they didn't do particularly well, but hey, that's that's all right. It still helps your RPI. It still helps your strength of schedule a little bit. They took 2 of 3 from the Toreros. They took 2 of 3 from St. Mary's and Pepperdine and they swept BYU. So they've had some success this season, but at the end of the day the Zags they need a clean sweep here. Maybe they don't maybe not need, but would really help if they could take all three from the Broncos here. Like I said, they've been struggling to get those clean sweeps. Two out of three only gets you so far. Would be really nice for them to win all three games against Santa Clara this weekend because after that, there's only four games left, and that's that's it. That's for all the marbles. Right now, the Zags are right on the line of potentially hosting a regional. That's the dream. That's the goal is not only to make it to a regional, which the Zags are almost certainly going to do. In fact, they are. They would have to lose all seven games to not make a regional. Even then, they probably still will. But to host. Hosting is something that they've never done in program history. And they're, the latest bracket re- reveal shows them right on the line. The top 16 teams host. They are 16th. According to that, so they're right on the line. A sweep against Santa Clara would help, but then they got a road game against Oregon on the 17th, and then they finished the year with three games at San Diego. Oregon and San Diego are both making the tournament. They're both playing regionals. So they got four final games to finish out the season against tournament-caliber teams. That's huge. This is what it's, this is what it comes down to. It's for all the marbles. Again, the Zags are not really in serious danger of not even playing in a regional at all, but they are in serious danger of not being able to host one. And that would be a cherry on top of what has been a remarkable, incredible season for Coach Metcalf and these guys. And so getting at least 
very least two, probably three of these games secured for a victory, as well as a sweep against Santa Clara. That's what needs to get it done. You go six and one in these final seven games. You go five and two, maybe. Maybe you still end up securing a spot, hosting a regional, but it'd be really nice if the Zags could clean house here, six and one, finish the year with 20 losses. And host yourself regional because what an incredible year that would be to finish things out by hosting a home game in the tournament for college baseball, something that has never happened for the Zags. All right, we're going to come back in the third segment. We're going to close out the week sharing a listener-submitted story about their fandom, about a time that they met one of the all-time greats at Gonzaga. Before we get there, though, let's talk about today's sponsor, Bet Online. 2022 NCAA tournament is in the books with a win secured by Bill Self and the Jayhawks of Kansas. While the Zags unfortunately fell short of the game's pinnacle week, that does not mean fans cannot remain in on the action. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, you name it. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your latest sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all the leagues this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Heck, they even have lines on a fight between Will Smith and Chris Rock, should you be so inclined. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, segment three, still Andy Patton, still locked on Zags, closing out the week with Fan Story Friday. That is the name that we have come up with for this final segment. For those of you who have missed it for the last few weeks, we've been sharing stories submitted by listeners of the show, either on Twitter at ScoreZagScore, you can DM me there, or you can reach out to me via Gmail, AndyPatton013 at gmail.com. The stories generally are people talking about times that they've met a Zag, whether it's a former player, a coach, whatever it may be. It was prompted from a tweet I posted about a month ago. We've been getting tons and tons of response to that, and I think it's a nice way during the offseason to close out the week, get fans an opportunity to have their story shared on the podcast. Today's story comes from Sarah via Gmail. Lovely story about an interaction she had a long time ago. I'm just going to read quote-unquote from her email, she says. I grew up in a very small town in northern Idaho called Priest Lake. Priest Lake is about 90 miles north of Spokane. I've played basketball competitively since I was in fourth grade and naturally became a Gonzaga slash Mark Few fan in 1999 as a sophomore in high school on our Cinderella run. I now live in Houston and I consider myself the biggest Gonzaga fan in the state, next to my nine-year-old son, that is. Priest Lake is a very small community and only about 500 people live in the area year-round due to the harsh winters. The summer is a different story and Priest Lake is a huge tourist attraction and many people have summer homes on the lake or close by. With all the tourists during the summer, it was easy for me to establish a summer job at one of Priest Lake's resorts when I was just 16 years old. I was a waitress in the restaurant of the resort, which is considered a fine dining but casual restaurant. One evening in the summer of 1999, the restaurant was pretty busy and my boss asked me if I could handle one more table. I said okay, and as I walked to the table to introduce myself and get the couple started, I stopped and couldn't believe who I was about to greet. The couple was dressed from head to toe in spandex, and both had helmets on the table. As I got closer, I knew I was correct, and I was about to meet a basketball legend, and at that point I started to feel super nervous, and other guests in the restaurant also noticed who walked in and were whispering about it. I took a couple breaths, walked to the table, and greeted the couple. 
I introduced myself and asked for their drink order. The man smiled at me and said, nice to meet you, Sarah. This is my wife, Nada, and I am John. He didn't say his last name, but as you might have already figured out, sitting at my new table was Gonzaga and jazz star John Stockton. John and his wife were both extremely nice and made small talk with me every time I went to the table to check on them. I was nervous the whole time and prayed I would not mess up and spill a drink on him or something. Luckily, that didn't happen, and the Stocktons ate a quick meal and rode off on their bike. I found out they had been mountain biking all day, hence the spandex outfits. John left me a very generous tip as well. Unfortunately, I was too nervous to ask him for his autograph and didn't want to be disrespectful because everyone knows John Stockton goes to Priest Lake to get away from everything. In fact, his summer home is only two and a half miles away from the house I grew up in. Over the years, I ran into him a couple more times at the general store. He always smiled and said, hello, I really wish I would have asked for his autograph. Sarah, thank you so much for sharing this story. I love this. I think it it, it encapsulates a lot of, of what Gonzaga is. I think the, the small town aspect of it is, is my particularly favorite part of the story. I'm familiar with Priest Lake. I think a lot of people who went to Gonzaga are generally familiar with Priest Lake or have friends who have been out there, have vacationed out there, whatever it may be. Uh, I, you know, Mark Few has property out there. John Stockton probably still has property out there. I would imagine that he does. Uh, it's very cool that they have the ability to kind of escape and go somewhere like this and, and still feel, you know, like I, that they didn't, they're not being bothered. You know, I, I understand the the desire to ask for his autograph and everything like that, but he probably appreciated that you did not do that. Um, a, a wonderful story. The Gonzaga community is fantastic. I think when you think about uh, other maybe bigger schools, power five schools, the the super icons from those programs probably cannot escape and just have pleasant conversations like that. Uh, and I think that that is part of what makes the allure of Gonzaga so great and the allure of places like Priest Lake, where people like that can escape and, and feel more comfortable not just being themselves in public and not being bothered. And John Stockton showing up to a restaurant in full spandex is a hilarious sight to me. And this, we're talking about 2002, 2003, somewhere there, like right at the tail end of his NBA career. So shout out to Sarah for sharing the story. Shout out to John Stockton for for being a respectable person at a restaurant, not entirely surprised by that part of the story. Uh, and please, if you have your own story of, of meeting a, a Gonzaga person, whether it's Mark Few, John Stockton, whether it's somebody else in the program, whether it's just meeting other Gonzaga fans in some situation. I know many people have, have made lifelong friendships um, because of their Gonzaga fandom, not just as alumni, just because they're big fans of the program. So if you have stories like that, you think that I would enjoy sharing them on the on the podcast, you want to hear your story shared on the podcast, please reach out to me. Just email me, andypatton013 at gmail.com. Say, hey, I got a story for the podcast. Send it to me that way. Happy, happy to share it on here when I have the opportunity to. All right, that is going to do it for me today and this week, we're going to come back with Mailbag next week. I already have a couple guests lined up for next week as well. It should be a really, really good week of podcasts, so stay tuned right here on the Locked on Zags podcast, available wherever you get podcasts and soon to be, or excuse me, already available on YouTube. Hit that up if you have not already. Finally, thank you again to those of you who have continued to make Locked on Zags your first listen every day. Now is a great time to make your second list on the Locked On NBA Draft Podcast. With the college basketball season wrapped up, give Raphael Barlow and a flurry of guests a listen as they prepare for the NBA Draft. Hear thoughts on Chet Holmgren, Paolo Bancaro, and the rest of the NBA's future stars on Locked On NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, thank you all for listening, and go Zags!